0: content warning that we do refer to Kate as a domestic and sexual abuse survivor in this episode, but this episode does not contain any discussion about the nature of that abuse. Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scotney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it and why we need it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. I'm welcoming my guest Kate Appleby today as a climber, swimmer, hiker, sup lover, boulderer, trail explorer, traveller, wild camper. Well, Kate is an adaptive adventurer living life to the full. A domestic and sexual abuse survivor, Kate has gone on to share her story of how her experiences have shaped her and how the outdoors has saved her. From an attempt on her life as a young adult to a diagnosis of lupus and the day-to-day impact of living in chronic pain, Kate now talks publicly about how to adapt, overcome and live a life to its fullest, regardless of your barriers. A motivational and public speaker, talking about her adventures in the Lake District, UK and beyond, Kate works across the industry to ensure inclusivity and diversity are key agenda items for all. Kate has gone on to found Adaptive Adventurers, a social enterprise aimed at enabling folks to overcome their boundaries and get outdoors. As Kate says, I survive in my comfort zone and thrive outside it. Oh, welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thank you. And as you were saying that,
1: I was like, "God, that's that's a lot for somebody." Like, how are they doing that? And I was like, "Ah, that's me." (laughs) (laughs) It it is definitely it's doable, but then it kind of validates why I'm feeling a bit tired at the moment. But um, yeah, I was like, when you were really off, I was like, "No, that can't be." Oh, oh, that can't be right. Oh, yeah.
0: Look, we know it's right because I've been stalking you on social media, and I see you doing all these things. (laughs) I bet there's a zillion more that you could put in because also like as somebody who's suffered a chronic illness in the past I mean although like going outside for a walk is absolutely lovely like energy wise it took me the same to sort of clean my house or do really boring day to day tasks (laughs) so we could probably add in those because sometimes they feel like achievements as well don't they. Yeah, that's why my house is never clean. <laughs> well, if you've got to decide between going out bouldering, climbing or right. cleaning your house and sorting out your stuff, your clothes, then you're going to pick the one outside, aren't you? Or I am. Exactly. This is my <laughs> complete motto behind life. <laughs> What's the, what is the motto behind the life? Don't do housework. Oh, right. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> don't be in the house. I the thought house. it was going to be something really inspirational about like... oh. <laughs> Well, it is inspirational. It doesn't exist if you can't see it in the first place. That's a bit better. So just, if you're
1: outdoors, the problems don't exist.
0: <laughs> One of avoidance strategies. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. This conversation is not going where I thought it would from the off. <laughs> so, how are you feeling today?
1: Yeah, I have. Um, I've just come off the back of a really busy weekend. Actually, um, I was pretty busy. Weeks so, I've um, had the National Outdoors Expert weekend, which was really good but really busy too. And I'm actually back at the NEC tomorrow, um, because uh, it's actually NADEX tomorrow, which is a uh, a disability and uh, illness conference at the NEC, so it's it's right in the middle of a, a busy old period. So, um, yeah, and I, I still um, so work time and I've um, just launched the the charity as well so so yeah it's a pretty busy time so um all things considered I'm doing all right but as we're recording this you'll be able to see that I'm in like my most slouchiest of clothes with like no makeup and no washed hair because there are things which are taking take back seat right now.
0: <laughs> you look fantastic and anyway yeah. nobody's gonna see us on this podcast. No need for lies. <laughs> <laughs> I quickly put a different jumper on because I too was like in some <laughs> massive oversized fleece that looked a bit... <laughs> oh, <isn't> helpful, literally. <laughs> uh, so the podcast is all about resilience and I've been pestering you for a little while to come on. <laughs> Sorry about <Wow>. that. <laughs> <laughs> pestering you because I just... Yeah. I get I get resilience vibes off you and I really was interested in your take on resilience and also your story and your experiences. I mean, you've just been talking at one conference, you've got another coming up. When you do those talks, mm. is resilience at the heart of those talks? Is it something that you mentioned? Do you ever say the word resilience and what does it mean to you?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's funny because resilience is actually a theme that brings every part of my life together and you know when I, I'm really conscious when I'm talking as a side note to, to resilience but when I'm talking I think people think it's because I've sailed through and I'm now the finished article and in no way is that the case at all you know I, I talk about my life so far but it's still a huge way to go so lots of challenges to overcome and, and resilience was and is and will be really the, uh, key themes to all of that, you know, not just because of what I overcome in my illness, but what I overcome in the industry that, you know, we're, we're both kind of linked to, you know, it's still quite dominated by people that look a certain way and represent in a certain way and professionally as well you know outside of the the kind of work that I do through um, the outdoors um, my actual professional background is is very much dominated by people that that don't look or or sound like me Um, and resilience is something that I I need to know in every moment of every part of my life whether it be just getting out of bed and and kind of surviving in in my illness whether it be pursuing what I want to do outdoors or actually just in the office in kind of nine to five, resilience is, is something that I depend on. And um, I think it's really easy for all of us actually to say resilience is not something we're very good at. But if you look at, you know, us as human beings and the, the crazy statistics that we have to, to to kind of surpass in order to just be conceived and
0: make it as as the one, <laughs> you know, resilience is something that's at the heart of all of us. Oh, that's such a wide-ranging kind of definition of it. And I really like it, Mm -hmm. the fact that it is just coming through every day in our life. Mm -hmm. And how did you become to be this kind of spokesperson? (laughs) (laughs) Was that the plan? I'm guessing not. I have no idea
1: how this happened. (laughs) Somebody actually messaged me last night saying that they wanted to do this themselves as a career. They were done with the kind of nine to five and they wanted to go and pursue something um and um yeah they asked me how did I get into it and I was, it made me think and I was like, I have no idea <laughs> um, yeah it's it just it came out of the blue and um I think I just got asked to to go and speak at an event and it, it just it it snowballed from there and I think um I think it was only when people began to ask me to speak about enduring and overcoming and resilience and all of these things that I actually began to think oh actually maybe they are things that I can relate to or, or think about because probably until that point of actually reflecting I probably would have thought I wasn't a particularly resilient person Um, not because I hadn't experienced and overcome those things but because in the heat of it you know they, they're painful and they hurt and we cry. And I think it's really easy to think we're not resilient because we feel it. And I've learned that resilience isn't not feeling the pain. It's it how we process it and how we survive with it. Um, and I think that's, that's really important. So it took me a long time to work out that I was resilient. It just resilience doesn't necessarily mean not feeling it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really important point and one that's reoccurring on my interviews that I do. Um, and just kind of talking about the the chronic illness side of it, um, mm-hmm. I wondered if that was something that you've lived with your whole life or if that developed later in your life. And also... One thing that I think about when you're talking about it, like whether you feel the pressure to kind of talk about your medical diagnosis and symptoms to sort of almost be validated to talk about um, overcoming those or dealing with those. Um, Mm -hmm. And whether that, yeah, I suppose like I'm very conscious that you don't need to talk about your medical history. I wouldn't expect it walking down the street of anybody else. Um, So, yeah, how do you, well. Give me a little bit of background as much as little as you want about your chronic illnesses and how yeah. you feel when you have to share about those. Um I
1: got diagnosed at 16 um with lupus, but obviously one of the characteristics of lupus and autoimmune diseases is that they then ultimately lead to lots of other things. So although that main diagnosis came at 16, lots of other things have followed and still follow. So you know, different parts of my life tend to be characterised by different diagnoses. Um, so that that has and continues to, to be a, a theme and it's really interesting that you kind of talk about um, whether I feel the need to kind of justify or explain and um, you know whether well what my illness is how it affects me I'm I'm very vocal about you know what it is to live with a hidden illness and it comes with the, the benefit sometimes of not being judged uh, for your disability in the sense of you know I know some of my visibly disabled peers have a really tough time of being, you know, prejudiced for how, how they look and how they present, but it also comes with the disadvantage of not having any perceived empathy or having any perceived understanding of what you're going through. So it sits in that really difficult position. And so you get the the whole, but you don't look ill. or Various different, you know, variations on that constantly, and they are hugely damaging. And it, it you know, they're the derived from often a good meaning place, but actually they're, they're they're really damaging. And the the kind of I guess the your your reaction to those is to justify yourself and say, well, actually I am ill, and this is my medical history, and this is you know, my list of medications, and this is every battle I fought through. Um, And I I think the first few times that it did happen to me, or some of the worst times it's happened to me, I have definitely kind of reeled off, well, you know, I was in recess with COVID, you know, I've got this scar on my body, whatever it it was, and I've learned now just to kind of try and take a step back and go, you know, I, I don't need to validate that, I don't need to justify it, you know. I wouldn't ask somebody to give me their their mental health prognosis in that way. So why would I expect myself to have to give somebody that justification? But it it can be really difficult, um, and I think especially in what I do in trying to educate and inform, you know, a, a large part of me does want to explain and to to kind of take the take the shadows away from it so I do spend a lot of my my life talking about what it is to live with that illness so I think then people people probably assume that you're very open to it um so it's it's really tricky you know and it's tricky for me because some days I am really open about it and then some days I just I don't want to talk about it or you know I think the other thing is my friends will say this is that I'm really adamant as I don't want to be known as the lupus girl who climbs and swims I want to be the girl that climbs and swims and does this that and that and she also has lupus but I it sounds really cheesy but I don't want that to define me, you know and so depending on where I am in you know my mood in my in my cycle and all of these kind of things will depend on whether I am quite open to talk about it or not
0: and one of the things like you were saying about the good days and the bad days there and one thing that I find really refreshing on your social media and I've got a lot of questions about social media later, but one of the things I find refreshing is that you you kind of lay out both. you celebrate the good days, but you're also well, I feel and we again we can talk about how um how much is kind of you do share on social media, but you also just highlight the bad days as well. Is yeah. that something like you've always done or is that developed along with um kind of as you've become more public and profile and you profile? sure so I've I've definitely developed the skill, but I think right from the
1: dot. I wanted to talk about it. I didn't feel particularly empowered at the beginning, and I think that came from a place of me struggling to uh, with the, the impact of comparing myself to other people who, you know, looked beautiful, are beautiful, were fit, were able, had the perfect diet, had the perfect gym regime, had the perfect relationship. You know, and I would log onto social media. And and really struggle to compare myself to you know something that actually probably didn't exist. You know, I, I'm really passionate in saying that you know we social media feed it's there to feed your soul, right? And actually we shouldn't be filling ourselves with unrealistic expectations. Um, and so I, I wanted to be quite vocal about saying things that were real, but I also wanted to try and and you know shine a light on things that hide in the shadows of our society. Um, I'm quite open for instance about trolling and, and body shaming some of those kind of things that I I get a lot of and um, you know people often say well, you shouldn't give that attention because it, it's self-generating and the more attention you give it what happens but I actually disagree and I think it you know I think of say the 15 year old girl that that might get that and and might not feel empowered to talk about it might think it only happens to her and might that take that to heart and then you know goodness knows where that could lead so i think by talking about it these things only tend to to thrive in shadows and i think when you shine the light on it it empowers us to actually feel that you're not alone this happens unfortunately to a lot of us um and it happens for reasons purely dictated to to people doing things for their own fun and, uh, and amusement sometimes so i think um being realistic is also helped me, I think, take the pressure off myself because there'll be some days where I, I'm not in a great place mentally and, um, but I still want to to produce content, but that means I don't have to kind of fake it. I can just be super honest. So yeah, it, I've not always been empowered enough to do it, but it's always been important to me to, to get to the point where I could be open.
0: And how did your kind of social media presence develop I mean you've got such a large following and beautiful photographs I love following you and beautiful words as well like is this something that's developed organically did it just start off like I guess most of us did, with a kind of not really sure about social media? Or was that just me? Like, yeah. I, I can't remember the early days. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember my first downloading Instagram and putting a photo up. It was probably my dog, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely remember Facebook and kind of exactly that. But You're probably different. too young to know, like, MySpace and some of the earlier ones, and I was not cool enough to get involved in those. <laughs> So um, I think
1: uh, so obviously Instagram has had huge popularity, especially in the outdoor communities, especially post-pandemic. Um, and I was probably one of the, the kind of the OGs, the, the, the very beginning of that, that kind of um, the social media presence of the outdoor community. And I just, um, I gained popularity quite quickly from having an account that, just shared pictures of where I was in the Lake District and you know I was this was probably six or seven years ago now and at the time very few people were showing you know what it was to be a young person outdoors that was before the the real trend picked up in in the outdoor community and I think people still mainstream thought that the outdoors was was reserved for people in kind of beige pack and things Um, and I hadn't seen that big boost in popularity so it it, it drew a lot of attention quite quickly as something fairly unique in terms of a young person hiking and doing things like that in the UK. Um, And it grew a lot of attention. Um, And then I then started to feel more confident confident and comfortable. Um, so I then started to talk about, you know, mental health, my diagnosis, and that then started to draw a slightly different audience, We obviously then had the the pandemic and COVID and that had a big impact on the kind of content I could and wanted to post. Um, and then the other side of the pandemic, you know, there was a huge increase in people in the outdoors. Um, so actually, you know, my, my account probably didn't quite grow with everybody else's because, you know, there was a huge surge of popularity and there were lots of other people doing it. So, you know, some, some of the outdoor accounts now are much, much bigger than mine. And my account probably stayed fairly small in, in relationship. But what I do outside is that which supports my social media, like my my speaking and my and um, my ambassador work in my advocacy work that that grew instead and and now I very much see as um, my social media is there as, as purely as a, as a support tool to support the rest of the advocacy work that I do and um, which I think is the right balance for me and my mental health apart from anything.
0: Do you see your social media I'm, I'm thinking Instagram because that's the kind of one that I know you from um, do you see that as a Personal account as a business account or somewhere in the middle? So it's 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 an odd one because most of the people
1: that I know that have big accounts now will have a personal account, you know, which is then reserved for things like birthday cakes and and you know their their private moments from life. I've actually always been really adamant that I wanted to keep it my personal account because I I don't want there to be a point where there's things that I'm not really comfortable to share there because actually, the only things that I would want to put on a smaller platform would probably be quite intimate things about my health or my confidence or things like that. I don't tend to share too much of my, my friends on social media because I don't expect them. Want them to get involved in in the trolling and and that kind of thing. So I probably wouldn't share too much of that online anyway. And anything connected to my privacy won't go on there. So actually, the only thing that I would share in a smaller forum would be things that actually I think have a benefit for that audience. So I still see it as a as a personal forum first and foremost. There are obviously business opportunities that come by my Instagram now, and like I said, my Instagram definitely supports all of the advocacy work and the speaking work that I do. Um, but, you know, I, I, I still work full-time, so I, I'm lucky in the sense that I am very keen that my my public speaking and my, my Instagram will always be kind of a, a nice-to-have rather than my main source of income um, because outside of all of this, I've worked really hard for a career, and kind of my, my line of career, uh, and that's not something I, I probably want to give up.
0: Yeah. And then moving to the not very nice topic of the kind of trolling and the comments that you get. I know yeah. that you sometimes share those publicly and they just yeah. seem awful. Like how do you stay sane when you've got mm. that coming at you from strangers? Um, yeah. It's
1: it's really
0: difficult. And the first so they went through a
1: paper I, I I never got trolls and then about probably that that bit straight after covid where lots of people's accounts started getting quite big it become quite popular I guess it was drawing attention of you know people that that do this trolling and I went from having nothing to a period of very intense trolling and that was very difficult because I'd never really experienced anything like it and and I'm I'm you know I'm quite a when I say I am an outwardly body confident person, I like to put my my body on the internet because it helps my confidence, but also because I think it's it's good to promote a healthy size 10, 12 figure. And um, that's not to say I don't have body confidence hang-ups and you know would love just as much as anybody else to have a really trim, slim toned figure. So at first they all presenting is you know you shouldn't be wearing that because there's other girls in much you know with much nicer bodies you should be wearing that and there was a lot of, of really bad body trolling and that that got quite personal I had to really try and work a way of, of taking that and then it, it you know when people when you don't rise to it actually, people it's funny people always say don't rise to it mm. but actually when you don't rise to it some of these trolls will just go deeper and further and you know, I had this one person that my my um my email is my business email is um, accessible through my Instagram. And they would just find different, they would just constantly create new email accounts and send me emails every day, and they would be paragraphs and paragraphs just of abuse on things like, you know, something simple as you know, terrible eyebrows through to you should just go and kill yourself. You, you, there's no purpose for you being here, you know, why don't you just and kill yourself, and it it just went on and on and on and on and I just got to a point where I was thinking you know I am going to have to come off social media because this is this is ridiculous Um, and I then started being much more open about it I then started pushing about it and I started kind of you know talking about it online and I got lots of people back saying that they had received it too they just weren't talking about it because they were embarrassed they didn't know how to to, to deal with it and that that it may that sounds terrible but you know problem shared problem halved right and to know that there were people going through the same thing and actually maybe it wasn't coming from a place of you know knowledge it was coming from a place of people's own I don't know really bad behavior it, it made me feel a little bit better so sharing it helped Um, And actually it it kind of, it it went away for a while, not, not totally, but it kind of calmed down and it's only really been this year. I think again, you know, my profile's increased a little bit, but it's then um, increased and I actually was, I did something I shouldn't have done, but I I Googled my name, but only purely because I, I had a film came out quite recently. I was trying to get the link for the film. So I Googled my name plus, the film title to try and find out where it listed and in doing so um it it came up with this website that I'd never heard of but having done some digging now it's an an invite only website that basically its entire purpose is to provide a forum for open critique of people with a, a platform um and um this website has you know caused so much controversy that it's being discussed in the news. Lots of the big glamour magazines have actually campaigned and lobbied with the government for its its removal because it's being you know linked to some really poor um mental health um outcomes and I, I clicked on it and I, I I was just mortified you know the, the kind of the threads that was about me was just I mean strangers just pulling me apart in the worst possible way about my illness about whether I was actually ill about the fact that my friends were nicer people than me and they felt really sorry for my best friend who's often hanging out with me because I I think one of them called me a, a psycho vampire that was an emotional drain and you know it was just horrendous and um, yeah I I, I I couldn't believe what I was seeing so I actually went to be quite vocal about that and so many people message me to say you need to take it down that that you know the people behind that are very powerful the the trolls behind it are very powerful and they'll just they'll just ruin you take it down it's not worth it um so actually I'm back in the period of of trolling being quite a a big part of of my kind of experience at the moment and I'm still probably working through that and how I deal with it
0: oh I'm so sorry that you've had to deal with that it's just just awful and i think that there's definitely like i have not had trolling to that level at all but i've i guess if people are commenting and kind of doing posts about me you're just told to ignore it and i think that's kind of making you into some robot that doesn't have any feelings or you know we're we're very much like oh just ignore it it'll go away but actually my experience is they don't always go away they just keep at it and at it yeah and i and i also think that
1: you know, it's all, all well and good ignoring it, but your brain doesn't ignore yes. it. And so, you know, friends say, well, oh, just ignore it. That that That's fine if you don't respond to it publicly, but your brain will continue thinking it over. And if anything, you then think, well, I've got no outlet for how I uh, how I feel. So have it's you, really...
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, have you always tried to just deal with it on your own or kind of publicly call it out? Or have you gone through like the actual provider's have you thought about going to the police have you gone down any of those kind of formal channels at all yeah so I I have um I have been to the police with um with one of
1: the the specific individuals that was that was targeting me purely because I was a bit concerned for my safety and this was quite some time ago actually and and some of the threat I was you know I was receiving threats and it, it was actually from somebody that I knew existed and I I knew they existed within within our community so um, I did do something about it and actually I was really disappointed in the support that kind of received because I think you know we are still at the forefront of things like trolling and you know it, there's a whole load of, of, of body shaming, trolling, even things that like upskirting have only just become, you know, actually visible crimes and, and things. And I think there's still education how we police that. So, the support I received wasn't great, and I didn't receive any viable advice on what to do with it or any reassurance that it would really be taken up or taken seriously. So I have, I've have gone down that route and I have, um, you know, I have, I have therapy because I, you know, I have, I'm still working through a lot of trauma from from my kind of previous years. Um, and unfortunately, as I suspect happens with a lot of people, the things that get brought up are very triggering. So even if they don't, um, even if the words that they are saying don't necessarily cause me hurt in their, in their present sense, they're very triggering. So they then, you know, bring up a whole load of, you know, things that you then have to work through so yeah and it it frustrates me because you know at the end of the day these people have no no concept of the fact that the words that they're saying um they can unravel someone's life this isn't it's not a oh you know I need to eat less or something it will then make me unbox 30 years of trauma and Mm. and I'm not alone
0: in that so yeah and kind of away from the trolls but and going on to, well, I suppose as well, I was wondering if in your comments and your messages, you had people who kind of felt almost an ownership of you, what you're going through, your illness. Are there people that kind of expect, because you've put a certain amount of your life out there, that they should be able to ask you very personal questions or know about relationships and things like that? Is that an issue for you on social media?
1: And this is such a good question and no one's ever asked me this um in any kind of interview or podcast everyone's on so thank you for asking and yes this is a <laughs> this is a huge issue and and to be fair I I understand it because I follow people online that I get really inspired by and you get very caught up in their stories and it does become a a, a fine line between um you know I, I guess it is an example I I lost um I was talking to a friend just last night about it I lost um My phone in a car accident. Actually, I had TikTok downloaded on it, and a couple that I were following were going through IVF, and I couldn't sleep for weeks, wondering whether they got pregnant or not. And they were that you know they weren't anyone I knew in real life, and I it was on my mind, and I was thinking, Kate, this is this is crazy. You don't you don't know them. I mean, it's all very well you know, but that's their personal life. (laughs) Draw the line. Um, So I I can completely see how people get into it. Um, and especially, you know, some of the people that, that follow me or that I engage with are potentially people that are quite alone, have mental health conditions, are going through trauma. So they're people that can relate to my content and have a shared experience. So I, I I can completely understand why they would want to engage as I would back. But there does come a line that we all need that, that privacy I, I probably get the majority of it in in relationships and relationships questions. And you know, if I if I people will make assumptions if I don't share a picture with with a, a you know if I if I didn't share a picture with a, with a guy, they kind of assume that I've broken up with my boyfriend. If I if I go the other way and you know share a picture and. Um, you know people assume that you're in relationships people assume that you know if you post a picture up with somebody going for a coffee that you're cheating and yeah you know, and sometimes it can you know people can then it almost turns into to trolling because then people kind of then go oh, are you doing this are you doing that yeah, I know um so I I get it but it, it can be quite tricky and I I've never felt the need yet to say please respect my privacy because I actually think uh, the vast vast majority of my my followers know so well about my mental health journey because I think they would know that uh, you know a step over that line would have an impact on my my health um but there, there have been times where I thought this is coming close to the,
0: the line oh god I thought that and again like it's been when I've posted the kind of just comments about my fatigue when I was ill and had chronic fatigue syndrome. And yeah, some of these kind of really personal questions that you just think, well, you wouldn't stop somebody in the street and ask those, yeah. would you? But it's hard, isn't it? Especially, and you, you'll relate to this, from, from an illness
1: perspective, or when, you have, um, when you're suffering with something and you are wanting to step into that role of educating it's hard because then you go well actually if I don't answer that question am I then shying away from an opportunity to educate so it it can be hard sometimes to then go oh actually am I am I not living up to the role I've almost set an expectation that I fulfill
0: yes and I think like in the forefront of my kind of when I did mention it partly it was just being realistic like I wanted to make sure that people didn't think that I kind of had this perfect life. And also, it was that kind of connection with somebody who might be going through similar. And I think I just, at mm-hmm. that point, it was worth going through the comments or the messages that I got asking for personal details or trying to sell me pills or trying to give me some course that I, yeah. or just do yoga or something like that. Um, so I kind of put up with those kind of Mm. annoying they weren't trolling just annoying kind of messages and they came probably from a place of well-meaning as well um because i thought it was worth it to just connect with people that maybe Mm. were feeling alone and going through the same Mm. i think that's a really
1: that's an interesting point as well when when people you know, we, we talk about this in my friendship group a lot, unsolicited advice and where where that's helpful and um supportive and when that actually then becomes frustrating. And you know that the internet is full of of people that have had their own stories and some of it is, is wonderful knowledge, but you know, sometimes people are I think there's a line between people sharing their, their stories of treatment or whatever it might be, which I'm, I'm always really open to hearing, but then almost chastising you for not abiding by that. So, you know, I get a lot about vegan. Uh, and if, if I'm not being vegan, because obviously lupus you to follow an anti inflammatory diet, and some folk believe that's better to avoid any kind of animal products. And so a lot of people be very, very, you know, we should be vegan, you're not helping yourself kind of thing. And, you know, that there's a point, isn't there, where it, it's.
0: Yeah, always... well, actually, I had the opposite. So I was always told I was... that I, I was ill because I was vegan, because that's why I had low energy, <laughs> even though my illness started before I was vegan. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah Um,
0: yeah and and also I get like people saying because I'm recovered now and it's like how did you recover and I'm always I I will always reply to those messages but I will also add this is what worked for me and I'm not recommending it like as a fits everybody because I just think everyone's lives bodies are so different aren't they agree and let's just briefly because I feel like we were a bit of kind of all the negatives on social media. Like there's positives as well, isn't there? I mean, it's kind of changed your life, I'm guessing, in terms of those opportunities and connections that you've made. Let's just have a little bit of a positive. What can social media do? (laughs) Uh,
1: So, I mean, friendships are, you know, a lot of my best friendships have, have come from, uh, you know the incident most people that follow me will know about kind of um, my relationship with Jess Day who uh, shoes and um, she's kind of a sister a mom a best friend to me uh, and that came through a meetup from from Instagram so you know the we, we, friendships have been a hugely important part I think um, knowledge I think you know the Instagram and being able to search for like a hashtag has massively widened our ability to connect with people or sh- find shared stories or shared experiences and that helps you feel like you're not alone you know my my, my diagnosis I was put into a support group of people that were probably I mean the, the smallest age gap was probably 30 years older than me so I, I, I you know massively struggled to find anybody that was in my age range and you know Social media was the only way of me being able to find that. So that's massively helpful, like you say, opportunities to to actually be an advocate and to pursue things I really want to. Um, and actually my my career is massively benefited outside of what what i do in, in this realm you know i, I use linkedin a lot and linkedin is being you know massively helpful for my career so there are huge huge benefits and i i will be speaking to you today if the the kind of out uh, positives didn't outweigh the, the negatives so yeah definitely yeah, it's just about balance isn't
0: it it is and also maybe just touching on what kind of responsibility do you feel from your large platforms on the on social media like I'm thinking I I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I always think that you're you're really good at kind of yes I'm out on this beautiful mountain for a snowy walk but make sure you have these skills and kind of you know it's not for everybody yeah. at every every opportunity is it? what other responsibilities so, yeah. do you feel come with it? so I think there's a few right so firstly
1: being being humble enough to own up when you make a mistake and that that can be something you've said in your public lives something that you've done at home like I'm I'm always trying to talk about
0: mistakes I've made um that's really hard isn't it in this day and age of everybody leaping on everyone and this kind of culture that we've got but yeah well done I'm not afraid
1: to kind of say sorry so I think that one I think secondly like you say a, a practicing good good behavior so when that when it comes to something that has an element of of skill required so mountaineering winter-based mountaineering climbing trying to make sure that I cover good tips and and tricks and best practice and I think one of the, the things that a lot of people maybe don't see is around gifted work and paid work and ads and things I don't do much of it but what I do do kind of funds my charity actually I put the money straight into that so it is important that I do a little bit and the bits I do do A, I will only ever work with a brand if I've thoroughly tried something and used it. But before we even get to to that point, you know, I completely check the brand's morals, its ethics, its plastic use, you know, its factories, whether it's employing, making sure that it's employing on a good basis, all of those kind of things, because I don't want to ever recommend something that I don't think is like responsible to do something. Um, And actually, you know, Influence marketing is is a big thing, and I don't want people spending money into a, into a, what I think maybe a, a not a great course. So I feel huge about responsibility about that, and um, and I think often I think influence marketing has got a bad name for itself in terms of people kind of think, you know, I, I don't think people necessarily see sometimes the amount of work that people do do to a try things and make sure it's good, um, but actually all of that vetting around it. So that's a, a big thing I do. Um, and I think as well the, the realistic point as well. I, I make sure that I think it, I think it's only responsible to keep it as real as possible. And you know, for for people that followed me for a long time, I very candid about the time I pooed in my own shoe, for example. And I didn't particularly I didn't particularly relish the prospect of telling forty thousand people that, but I did. And, um, you know, I think there's benefits for getting through it. So <laughs> I think,
0: um, yeah, I think being realistic is the other bit. I'd say. Yet again, the conversation has gone somewhere where I wasn't expecting. <laughs> <Just laughs> Keeping it real, as taste. always, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Right, um, let's move on and talk about your charity, because I'm really interested in how this has developed as well. I'm sensing a theme of things just kind of, evolving but yeah tell us a little bit about adaptive adventurers and what's going on there thank you so um
1: yeah i'm super excited about this and um, so for about i don't know 16 months now people when people have asked me where is this going like what do you want to do i've i've known that i have a specific idea where this wants to go to and you know for me at first i felt uncomfortable giving a talk and the best bit of advice I could really give was for saying to somebody I'll oh, go follow me on Instagram and I was speaking to all of these people but it felt a bit selfish to be taking all of that and just adding to my numbers on Instagram and I was like I've got such a good opportunity here the people I'm speaking to the people on social media to be doing better than just adding another person to my following list and um, so I've spent a lot of time thinking about what it was I wanted to do I knew it was something advocacy based inclusivity um and I think the end of the pandemic the cost of living crisis it was all coming together and so yeah adaptive adventures was formed out of really I think the the knowledge that the outdoors is um unfortunately still fought with barriers for a lot of people and um, and um Firstly, there's the disabled people and people with hidden illnesses, but there's also people that have caring responsibilities, people that have um, financial implications, neurodivergent people, people that um, are from um, minority backgrounds that actually don't feel like they're you know, particularly encouraged into these places. There are people from so many different groups of life that are yet to feel really safe and welcomed into that space. And, you know, it, it. I know that obviously the outdoors have saved my life, but it saves so many people's lives that I, I can't help but think of all the people that it hasn't reached that, you know, what a life changer it would be if it did. So the charity, um, which has been set up as a kind of CIC, social enterprise, um, was kind of formed in my head in the middle of last year. And I've spent the last few months working really hard to kind of get it into that space where I could launch. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's based on three pillars a grants scheme which provides grants to um small grants to allow people with specific requirements to overcome those barriers whether it be you know a a, a physical aid to help them overcome a disability maybe something that they need because there are financial issues in their way or maybe it's something um like um therapy because they've had a, a trauma outside or something like that um, there's a friends pillar, so that's all about creating a good community to help people feel supported and, like you know, we were saying earlier, they're not alone in their particular mm-hmm. challenge. Um, and then advocacy um, to make sure that I'm doing my job to, to get these people heard and to make sure that brands and communities and organisations are working together to represent these people. There's lots of charities out there doing great things to try and provide access for specific groups of people what there wasn't was one overarching um, group that recognized that there were so many people underrepresented not just physically disabled but like I've said people from so many different causes Um, and I wanted to bring together people for the sake of the outdoors rather than their barrier first if that makes sense.
0: Yeah that does make sense and Ah, this is like in its really early days, isn't it? Yeah. How, you've just come back from like the outdoor show at the weekend. Was this something that you kind of launched or raised there? What was the reaction? And I'm particularly interested from the reaction yeah. from like the big brands and organisations there. Mm. So we launched it, um,
1: I, I launched it um, what will be a week ago tomorrow. Um, we've had... Nearly seventy applications already for the grant funds, which has blown me away. Um, so we did discuss it at the the um, the, ex- uh, the expo. Um I, I was really keen for this kind of um, you know to, to be able to launch it and then take it to there, which is kind of why I, I launched it last week. And um, the reactions being normal. I mean, the, the the proof of its the need for its existence in to me is within that kind of seventy odd number of applications and the the diversity of those applications as well from people in inner cities on the poverty line to, to people with you know really severe disabilities and things so for me that's really heartwarming to, to see and um you know is is essential I think the the amount of people we've probably had almost as many people kind of emailing in to offer their support free of charge as well, which is just astounding. And um, and so kind of you know outdoors instructors, mountain leaders, therapists, all kind of emailing to the, to offer their support to, to do free classes and things like that, which has, has blown me away. We've had some initial discussions with some of the big brands to, to get involved. Um, and that that's great. I I'd love to see more. Um, you know we will need good funding for the for this. And um, you know at the moment I'm providing much of the funding myself, so I'm really keen to make sure that that goes somewhere. I've got some conversations this week with some of the the big names. Um, that will be my, my biggest challenge. And for now, um, I'm you know actively recruiting trustees who will become part of the, the selection committee for the grant. But because I've chosen to, to kind of launch it as a social enterprise well and straight out charity and um, I'm uncomfortable about people being involved purely on a voluntary basis and obviously I can't afford to, to get anybody involved at the moment so it's it's kind of relying on, on me doing all of the, the legwork which is absolutely fine but I'm just quite strapped for time so um, lots of uh, very early mornings and very late nights of just trying to do lots of grant applications and things but um yeah i mean as soon as we've got a good grant in it will be just fantastic because we'll be able to, to to do so much i'm very excited and i think also you know that the advocacy part is going to be huge as well you know it's not just about the grants actually making some long-term change which will hopefully remove those barriers from existing in the first place and um, I, I really want to make sure that that, that that kind of takes off so yeah very exciting
0: congratulations with it Thank you. and Thank you. um like just talking about those barriers and I know like although the organization that you set up is quite new you've been talking about this for a long time so that when you go to speak about adaptive adventures, um what sort of things are you offering for people or organizations as ways to adapt or overcome the barriers that are there So I think it's
1: about having really open conversations that barriers exist in so many different ways. And, you know, when you talk about places being accessible, so many times people will go, well, we are wheelchair friendly, or, or, you know, this is the the issue we've had to becoming wheelchair friendly. And I'll say, that's great, but I'm not talking about wheelchairs right now. I'm talking about all of your barriers and people will just be mind blown that you know that there are so many different barriers and so many different types and so it's it's important to have that that starting point of a really open conversation about the fact that actually I'm representing here people from huge different groups um, and therefore lots and lots of different barriers Um, and so for instance you know If I'm having a conversation with an organisation, a national park, that might be more about, you know, talking about physical access and things like changing facilities and talking about, you know, whether they have a gate in place instead of a style, because that's much more accessible and things like that. But then if I'm talking to a clothing brand, again, it changes, you know, have you got clothing ranges that are very size, uh, a much larger range of size? Have you got clothing ranges that makes non-binary people feel comfortable? Have you got clothes, clothing ranges that make, you know, people feel comfortable um, of all kind of shapes, sizes, um, et etc.? So, yeah, it, it's, it's massively important to have really open conversations about the fact that barriers are so diverse.
0: Mm. Is there anything when you're doing your kind of, talking that you feel like you want to talk about but it's not quite there yet in terms of the right time or you're not comfortable with no you (laughs) feel like you can talk about anything that's great I'll put pretty much anything on
1: the table because I don't think I'm I'm doing my job if I don't so I'm, I'm happy to have any anything anything and everything goes on the table
0: Uh, And just kind of one last question was about the outdoors and kind of what you've got from it. I think what I like is how much you kind of sing about how wonderful the outdoors is but you are also like like you've already talked today you do go to therapy it's not the be all and end all which I think sometimes it kind of feels like in other people's work or posts like how did you get into the outdoors very briefly and kind of what what have you gained from it and maybe linking back to resilience what's it taught you there
1: yeah so I, I uh the, the, the outdoors I got into purely from the fact that it was the only place that I'd never known peace, um, you know. And all the times that you know there was there was abuse or there was violence in my upbringing, that the outdoors is really the only place that I knew was safe and quiet, and you know no one would hurt me there. So it, it was you know when I was at the very lowest point in my kind of since early adulthood it was a natural place for me to go to um and you know I, I wasn't born in adventure I wasn't born particularly able but it just started off with very gentle you know a visit to the lake a visit you know a quick couple of miles it it was nothing grand It just one thing led to another I think you know I'm very candid about the fact that the outdoors is you know one of the biggest parts of my my therapy but as you quite rightly say it's not it's not the only thing it can't be the only thing you know I'm still rely on the, the help of therapists I still have um you know I still take treatment for for depression and then there's all of my kind of you know the, the um physical um health requirements that I take as well so you know the outdoors is by far and away the biggest part of that but it, it probably works with all of the other parts of my therapy as well and I think in answer to the, the other part about resilience you know the outdoors is a is a massive um it's a massive tool in understanding in all of us actually what resilience really is if you can go out on the wettest wettest day and i'm not talking about you know in terms of putting yourself up in, in dangerous way on Scarfell fell or something in in, in horrible conditions but you know, if you could go out in the wettest of days you know in the, the conditions are horrible no one else is out but if you can still do that and find something from it then you're resilient you know and and that is what life is about if you can get through the hardest of times but still take something from it then you are a resilient person and resilience you know that there's no better way of seeing that than in the outdoors sometimes
0: oh I'm like nodding sagely at that I love it and thank you so much that kind of is a really good place to finish on just Give us an idea of what's coming up this year, or is it just going to be flat out busy with adaptive oh. adventurers and your job and your <laughs> wrestling <laughs> businesses, everything else? Is there anything? Because ex- you've probably got-, quite um, <laughs> I've got a couple of big trips and I'm just about to get off to, to Canada. I've got a, a couple of
1: opportunities out in Canada. Um, so just about to go out there and then do the Annapurna circuit uh, later on in the year as well. Wow, um, fantastic. So bigger trips and expeditions. Um my book's also coming out later on in this year. So I didn't know awesome. about that. anything else you can say <laughs> about your book? Uh it's it's about adaptive adventures in the UK. Um so um yeah th- I think that's probably a uh um what's the word? If that's a a breaking news story. For you, have I got a scoop That's the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've actually said what it is out uh, publicly yet. Yeah, oh okay, because about-
0: I thought, hang on, how have I missed this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I have said I had a book, but not what it is
0: about. So yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Very is impressive. this kind of a guidebook? Has it got suggestions in? Um, Yes. yes. Um, It's uh, all across the UK, different
1: adaptive adventures that you can have. Um, Adaptive adventures, I should say. Uh, So that kind of complements the the social enterprise as well. So yeah, that's coming out later on this year. And I'm doing some film work as well. Uh, And then just lots of work with the the charity, lots of work with hopefully different um, speaking events and whatnot. So Some more of the same, some growing on what I've done and then some big trips
0: away. And who knows what other opportunities might pop up along the way. It's exciting times. Well, thank you for all the work that you do and everything that you share as well. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. And thank you so much for everything you do as well, because I think having platforms like this is, is only a good thing.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.